Hello there, and welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. My name is Rachel, and I'm so glad you're here. In this podcast channel, we talk about the difficult experiences and how we can find God's goodness even in the hardships of life. This is the very first episode of the Win series. This is When Things Do Not Go Your Way. And our Win series is based off of Isaiah 43, talking about when you go through the fire, when you pass through the waters, and that he promises that he will be with us and no matter what we go through. And so this episode is when things don't go your way. And we have all had that in our lives, especially with COVID being the recent main event of life that has canceled many of our plans and has taken away jobs and has caused a lot of hardships for many of us. And we've had situations outside of COVID too that have not gone the way that we've planned or have hoped for, have worked for, have dreamed about. And sometimes it's, it's really devastating. It can change our whole life trajectory and it can be really frustrating, especially when you don't understand why it worked out that way. And I just want to start off with Isaiah 55 um, verse 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God's ways are higher and better than our ways and our thoughts. We think we know what's best for us and what we want, but his ways are beyond ours. And sometimes we make these plans for ourselves and we're boastful about it, but we don't even know what's going to happen. And uh, we need to seek the Lord's will. In James 4, verses 13 through 16, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. So sometimes we make these plans and we boast about it, but God's plans are the ones that prevail. If it's God's will, it's going to happen. And if it's not in God's will, it's not going to happen. So sometimes we make these awesome plans and we think that's how it's going to be but we don't actually make that decision. In Proverbs thirteen, Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So sometimes our vision is not the same as the Lord's. And we think sometimes that he's crushing our plans when really he's expanding them. He makes our plans bigger than our little career plans or our relationship goals because his plan is eternal. You may have heard of the tapestry illustration where we're all threads in this grand tapestry that he uses thousands of years of people and he weaves all of our stories together in these intricate ways and nothing is wasted. Absolutely nothing is wasted. He uses all of our different interactions with people, our jobs. He uses the mistakes that we make. He even uses ways that other people have hurt us. He weaves all of it together in this tapestry that brings him glory. And that is the overall most important thing that we can do with our lives. Glorify him. 
And instead, sometimes our plans are so much smaller. We want to get married, build a career, have kids, make money, which are not bad things. These are fine and dandy things. But compared to the glorious tapestry, those things kind of pale in comparison. I'm not going to lie. So much, um, God has plans that are so much more than our minds plan out. There's this quote from C.S. Lewis um, from The Weight of Glory and other addresses that I love and illustrates this very well. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, while an infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased." wow, that's definitely true. Sometimes we make these plans and we think they're so grand and awesome and everything and they get crushed and we don't understand why. And it's because he's making a plan that is for his glory and is beyond our understanding. We get so caught up in the little things, the little pieces of happiness, the fleeting moments of feeling good that we miss out on the eternal, the invisible and the glorious. And that's what our goals should be, the things that will actually last. In 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 through 18, It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So it can be easy for us to get caught up in the things that we can see, like our jobs, relationships, our finances, our health. These things are going to pass away. When we cross over to eternity after we die, we do not take our careers, our relationships, our money, our houses, our health. We don't take any of those things to heaven with us. Heaven is all about God. And these are all absolutely important things. God gives us our positions and our friendships and our families and our finances. And we want to steward those gifts well. And we want to steward the callings that he has in our lives. And we want to do those well in Colossians 3 verses 23 through 24. It talks about how we should do all things, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So we do want to steward those things well. But if we have our focus mainly like in the perspective of the world, it's easy to focus on that and miss the eternal perspective. And when we have the eternal perspective, we can see that all of this here on earth is going to pass away. So if you make plans and you work hard and you do everything that you can and it doesn't work out, it is really hard. I'm not going to negate that and say that, oh yeah, whatever, like we don't have an eternal perspective. Like it's still really hard when our plans fail and don't work out the way that we were hoping and the things that we were working for and desired. And, you know, honestly, I hate making plans. I know you have to for your education and your career. And I do like, that's just part of life. You have to make plans and it's part of that. But in general, like for personal plans, I don't like making plans. It's not my favorite activity because plans get destroyed sometimes. And it's really hard. Like I was planning on getting married and living with this one person and doing our lives together and such, but it didn't work out the way. And it was really hard. But because of that and how it happened, it took me to where God wanted me to be for my job position and making the friendships that I have now. And so God can use our plans breaking and he can still make that into something beautiful. So we can make 
awesome plans to fulfill our dreams and desires, but God, he actually knows what we need, which is hard for us to accept because we have these emotions and the desires and we want to fulfill them. So it's hard when he takes away what we desire. God made promises to Abraham that he was going to have a son and Abraham was waiting for so long. He had to wait until he was like a hundred years old until God gave him his son, Isaac. And then when Isaac was grown and uh, God told Abraham, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son. What? He promised Abraham the son and he gave him the son and then he said, give him up? That's crazy. And sometimes God does that with us. He gives us these desires. He gives us these callings. And then he asks us to lay them before him, which is really hard. And sometimes it just gets taken away too. And obviously like Abraham, he still had Isaac. You know the story in Genesis. But the point is that God has things beyond what we can imagine. And in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he can do more than we ask or imagine. And so sometimes we ask for these things and God has things beyond what we think that we want. And so trying to accept that is hard because we want it to go our way and we don't understand why he would make it work out the way that he is. Like, why would he let that fall apart and be how it is? Because we don't see it in the moment. We just see the moment and we don't see how his timeline works. We have our own timeline that we want God to fit into and he doesn't work the same way that we do. And he doesn't work on our timeline. We have these ideas of I'm going to do this at this age and I'm going to make this career goal when I'm 24 and I'm going to get married when I'm this age. And Abraham has promised the son and he had to wait a long time. Same thing with King David. King David was anointed as king and then years later actually became king. So it's not on our timeline. It's hard because we live in this culture where a lot of things are automatic and instant, and it's easy for us to get answers right away on Google. We can instant message, and it's all, you can get answers across the world right at your fingertips. But God doesn't work on the same timeline that we do. For example, Joseph had a very difficult life in a lot of ways. You know, it's not like he necessarily did anything wrong in his story in Genesis, but his brothers sold him in, um, into slavery in Egypt. And then again, it's not like he did anything blatantly wrong. Like if you read the story in Genesis, it's not like he went out and lied or stole or killed someone, but he landed himself in jail, not because he did anything wrong, but because of just the situation. So he was sold as a slave in Egypt and then he was in jail. But with those hard situations, because he still remained faithful, he ended up becoming second in command under Pharaoh only in Egypt. He saved the nation of Egypt from famine because of him listening to God, and he made the nation of Egypt prosperous. He also reunited his family, and his dreams from early on in his story came true. Another example that um, really shows this idea is Job and Job had pretty much everything going his way. And Satan came to God and was like, you know, this guy is, he's following you, but it's just because he has all these awesome things. And God allowed him to test Job. So he took 
everything away from Job. Job lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He was, he had nothing left. And in this time of questioning, when he wasn't sure why this was happening and his friends joined with him and they were like, why is this happening? And they tried to figure out the answers. God came to them and was like, do you know who I am? And asked all these amazing questions and reminded them of who God is. And that was the answer that God gave was asking all these questions about who am I though? And then God blessed Job with even more than he had before. And so God can use stories even more when things fall apart. If Joseph hadn't been sold by his brothers and been in jail in Egypt, he couldn't have become second in command under Pharaoh. And Job wouldn't have been blessed even more and wouldn't have had this amazing encounter with God if things were still going the way that they had been going. And chances are, if their lives went according to their plans of how they thought their lives were going to go, they probably wouldn't be in the Bible. So we want our timeline met and our desires fulfilled, but God actually knows the best things take time. He knows that the things that take time, they develop character and growth. And he knows the best things for us are not just fleeting feelings, but things that last for all eternity. He knows that the things that are going to satisfy us and draw us to him are sometimes really difficult things, but they bring us growth. And he also knows that what is best for us is him. So if he needs to take away something from us that is distracting us from him, he will do it even though it's hard. He loves us and he doesn't want us to be in pain. I mean, we're as kids. It doesn't bring him joy when we're in pain, but he will do whatever it takes to draw us closer to him. He wants us. That is his desire. He created us for him. So it can be hard when God doesn't do things according to our timeline, but it's also hard when we don't have the right idea of promises because we have these ideas of God's promises that aren't based in scripture sometimes. For example, sometimes we have the idea that marriage is promised. It's not. That's a really hard truth, but it's it's not. Growing up, we watched Disney movies with the prince and the princess getting married and living happily ever after. Or if you grew up in the church culture, you may have heard people talking about you finding your the one for you. Or even if you didn't grow up in the church culture, a lot of people just talk about you finding the one or just finding a husband. And someday you're going to find someone and you're going to get married and have kids. But that's not a promise. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, I promise you a husband or a wife. It doesn't say that. It also, he doesn't promise us career success. He doesn't say in the Bible, I'm going to make you the CEO of this company and you're going to be making six figures or you're going to be a millionaire. You know, there's kind of a prosperity gospel going around that if you believe in Jesus, you will have a nice family, a nice job, a nice house. That's not in the Bible. Jesus tells us to sell everything we own and give it to the poor. That's not the same thing. And if you're getting your promises from society, such as marriage and career, you're going to be devastated. You're going to be disappointed because those promises are not guarantees. So if you do get them, like enjoy them for sure. But just remember that those things don't last forever. And they are things that we don't take with us to heaven. A really great quote from Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, 
he says, for Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. And for unbelievers, it is the closest they will come to heaven, which is really comforting for believers, honestly, because it only gets better from here. So even if you don't get your earthly desires fulfilled, such as if you want to get married or if you want to have a great job or if you want to be super healthy and those things aren't working out how you hoped, we have a hope in heaven. So even if things aren't going great here, it only gets better. The best is yet to come. So we can remember that his ways are higher and the promises that he makes are not the promises of the world. He promises that he will be with us. He promises us salvation if we accept Jesus. He promises us life, truth, hope, peace, and love through him. He makes these amazing promises. And the great thing is he actually keeps his promises. We know people make empty promises or people break their promises, but God doesn't do that. He actually keeps his promises. The Old Testament is full of prophecies of the coming Messiah. And then in the New Testament, we read about how those prophecies actually came true. Like every single one of them, Christ came and he fulfilled all of those promises that God had about the coming Savior. And so we can know that we can hold on to his promises. In Hebrews 13, 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's not going to leave you hanging, but make sure you're hanging on the right promises. When we put our faith in the wrong promises, we are bound to be disappointed, which is really hard, but we have to let go of our ways and trust his ways. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. His ways are higher than our ways. And so when we're trusting in our own ways, it's not going to lead us down the straight path. But His ways are beyond ours and beyond our imaginations. And they will take us in the way that is sure and secure. And if you have had plans that have been destroyed, I am so sorry. Even if it was something that maybe wasn't huge, it's still hard. And I'm sorry too, if it was something that was huge, so maybe it changed the whole trajectory of your life. And that's just really hard to deal with. So I'm sorry that that's happening for you. But I hope that you can find hope in his true promises that aren't going to fail us, that he actually means and that he's going to keep. And I hope that you don't have to second guess if it's going to happen or not. You don't have to just enjoy for a fleeting moment and grasp tightly because it's going to slip through your fingers. No, because God's promises are eternal and they last forever. Even if you can't see it right now. He uses our failed plans to grow us. Sometimes we don't understand in the moment why things are falling apart, especially if we feel like we're doing everything right and we're following his will. Why why are things not working out the way that we want them to? but he uses them to grow us. For example, when we talked about Joseph and Job, Joseph had his character tested hardcore with being a slave and then being in jail, but he did not disappoint. During those tests, he was responsible and he was given authority over other people and he handled it well. He stored those responsibilities well 
And that's what landed him as second in command in the nation of Egypt. And Job, his situation was a huge growing experience as well, losing absolutely everything. And then having this encounter with God, that must have been incredible for God to come down and have all those questions. And then God blessed him beyond how he was blessed in the beginning. And so even if you can't see it right now, God can use our failed plans to grow us. And I don't want to put on this front that I have it all together. Like I'm still dealing with my own failed plans and figuring out and not understanding. But even though I don't understand the why, I can understand that he is growing me and I can understand that his promises are true and unfailing. I can trust him and his word. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for all of us. And I can have faith in the waiting process. I can't see the whole path, but he can show me each step of the way where he wants me to go. If we want to hold on to his promises, that's what's going to hold us through. And I hope you're holding on to that anchor because he will not fail you. He keeps his promises. His ways are higher. Even when it's hard to trust, he's got you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even if it doesn't feel like it in this moment, he's got your best interest at heart and he is growing you and he's going to use it all for his glory. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast in our first episode, When Things Don't Go Your Way. Please join us next time for episode two, where we cover when you feel shame. And you can find me on our new Instagram page at Life is Hard, God is Good podcast.